1: Welcome to the New Books Network. B. Birdsong, welcome back. It's wonderful to have you again on the show.
0: Thank you, Mal. Thank you.
1: And uh, very difficult times for humanity. And um, we're going to talk a lot about the light of picture books and the light that you project. And uh, B., it's wonderful to have you back. I'll just uh, mention, because I'm going to forget that my name is Mel Rosenberg, and I'm speaking to you from war in Israel, and I am the host of the Children's Literature Channel of the New Books Network, which is quite an honor, but I'm even more honored to have you back because you are a shining light.
0: Thank you, Mel. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you.
1: And, and for, for a shy person, you're doing very well. Are you still shy, Bee?
0: Yes, I am very shy, and um, events are are sometimes difficult for me. But when we focus on on books and um, and what we're all trying to do for the children, um, that really helps me.
1: Wonderful. So I'm I'm tickled pink. Actually, I'm tickled mauve. I put on my favorite mauve shirt for you. Ah. Uh. <laughs> Um, so, so first of all, first of all, let's uh, talk about the reason why we're here, uh, ostensibly, which is to—I uh, mean, the real reason is because I love to speak to you uh, and share share your positivity with the world. Uh, and we're to, here to celebrate your brand new book, which launched in June.
0: Yeah. And um, <laughs>
1: and a few words about Boop.
0: Yep. Boop is um, hopefully a very fun and joyful book, and um, it asks the reader to go through and um, boop the snoot on all the dogs that you see. And you've got a—it's an interactive picture book, and um, you want to want to boop all these snoots. And it gives you very clear directions. This is a snoot, and snoots need boops, and. Um, it's um it's been a lot of fun to to see kids interacting with the book.
1: Okay, is it for like a, a little bit of a younger age group than your previous uh, How to Spot a Best Friend and I Will Be Fierce?
0: Right, it's it's marked as I think three to eight, which um, are all my other books too. But I definitely think this book could be used, and I I know it has been used with. Um, younger kids with toddlers and even babies as they go through and because it's um it's a simple text and you know even even the youngest uh, you know maybe not a newborn but (laughs) even a one-year-old can go through and and touch all the dog noses and and find them on the page
1: it's it's wonderful so uh talk about the illustrator the publisher we've already talked about your wonderful agent uh, melissa edwards who was uh, on the show and she vouched for your incredible story that we'll mention in a few minutes. So this is an opportunity to mention Melissa and the publisher and the editor and the illustrator, yes. and, so, and, and, and and your late dog who inspired it all.
0: Yes. Thank you, Mouse. So I do definitely want to talk about the journey of this book. Lindsay Hunter is the illustrator. and um, she is amazing. If you look at some of the illustrations here. She's so great. And I love Where's the page. Look at this one where you have to turn the book and love all the all the puppies. And um, Lindsay is so wonderful. And the art for this book was actually chosen for the original art show. And it's in the Museum of Illustration in New York City. Um, starting today, actually on the 26th, I believe was the first day of of the exhibit, and um, that's the Society of Illustrators chooses which art will be um, will be displayed, and Lindsay's art for this book is was chosen for the original art show, so I was really excited about that.
1: So, 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 B, uh, you've uh, you've been very, very uh, proactive in finding me wonderful interviewees. Um, <laughs> Let's ask Lindsay if she's prepared to be on the program, because I would love to interview her.
0: Yes, I, I absolutely. Um, Lindsay is in Scotland. She lives in, in Scotland, or she's from Scotland and now lives in London. She lives in London now. She's from Scotland. She lives in London, so I'm not sure how that will work out on your timing. <laughs> you oh, know?
1: It, it's, it's actually even better, because it's oh, like... It's like five after five. I should mention that if there's an air raid siren, um, I will disappear for ten minutes. Um, I'm in my room of love and warmth and light and sharing. But uh, if the nefarious uh, evils uh, bomb us, I will have to uh, protect myself. Of course. Uh, um, and uh, the editor at Harper Collins.
0: Yes. So um, this book is with Harper Collins, and um, it was actually this is my this book was acquired by one editor and then that editor left harper to go to um, a different publisher and it was taken over mid <laughs> which, mid process yes mid-boop. Mid-boop, that's right and that was the first time that had ever happened to me but both editors were so wonderful so amazing about making it as smooth as possible and um there were no no hitch and everything went off exactly as I would have wished so it was really great
1: wonderful and now tell us about your dear uh, departed uh, sadly dog who uh, inspired the book
0: yes so uh this book was inspired by my miniature schnauzer Bilbo and um we just had to say goodbye to him a few weeks ago and I'm going to try really hard (laughs) not to cry about it um but he was 14 years old, and um, we'd had him since he was maybe about four, we assume, because of course you never know with a rescue dog exactly how old they are, um, but we'd had him for almost 10 years, and he was, talk about a light, he was a light for me, and um, brought so much joy and happiness to our family. I- and, um and, I, I, uh, sorry, know. go ahead. Mm-hmm. no, he he um he actually, at the end of his life, he developed um, cognitive dysfunction syndrome, which is dementia for dogs. and a lot of people had never heard of that, but that it can happen if a dog lives long enough. and um and we um, you know, so we he he required a lot of extra care in the last months of his life, and we've been dealing with that um fall, summer and and into the fall, and um, yeah, it was it was really difficult for me to say goodbye to him. But I was so blessed to have had him.
1: So um, you know, uh, we talk about rescue dogs. These are dogs that we've rescued. But when I think about a rescue dog, I think about the 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 fact that dogs rescue us as human beings.
0: That's exactly right. That's so that's exactly we, right.
1: We are we are rescued back.
0: Right. Yes. Yes, it's when we went to the rescue to to look at the dogs and we didn't even have an idea, you know, maybe that we would even bring home a dog. We're just looking. We're just browsing. (laughs) And um,
1: you you were schnauzing.
0: Yes, that's exactly right. And uh, the the owner of the person running the shelter was was bringing dogs out into the yard to to, for us to see and and say hello. And um, she brought a few out. And then she brought out Bilbo, and he ran right up to me and jumped on my legs like, "Hello, I'm ready to go home." And <laughs> she said, "I've never seen him do that before." And it was just like he knew we belonged together. And of course, we took him home that day, and that was it.
1: It was love at first boop.
0: Yes, <laughs> yes.
1: Uh, I, I I love I love your book for for several reasons. Shall, shall I say now or um, yeah, yeah but but. First of all, why don't you read to us uh, and show us a few pages?
0: Yes, okay. Not too many,
1: not too many. I don't want Harper Collins to sue us.
0: Okay, not too many. So I will just point out that in the very beginning, we have a little note to the reader and it says, Dear Booper, all the dogs in this book want you to boop their snoots. Before you touch a real dog, Always ask your big people and the dog's big people if it is okay. And I think that was important because we definitely didn't want children running down the street and trying to (laughs) touch any dog they see because, you know, not all dogs like to be booped. Not not,
1: not only dogs. Guns, (laughs) chipmunks, people.
0: Yes, yes. We need to make sure we are getting permission to touch, right? so here we go this is a snoot snoots need boops can you help boop the snoot a boop is a pat a gentle tap get your finger ready and boop you booped the snoot clap hands hooray and now the tail will swish and sway oh look more snoots. One snoot, two snoots, three snoots, four. Boop, boop, boop. And boop, one more. A gentle tap, a friendly pat. And then it goes on with the, the different dogs, and um, there's a little bit of a surprise for the reader at the end.
1: Which you don't want to give away. <laughs> but uh, this, this is a wonderful book, um gorgeous and um it's a departure from your previous books B.
0: yes um all of my other books so far have had um have, have been a little more traditional i guess and and this one is um a little bit of a breakaway it's a high concept book and um an interactive book which i've never done before and um it was a it was really an amazing journey with this book because um, I wrote the manuscript I, I had the idea and wrote the manuscript right away and I sent it to Melissa Edwards my agent and um, I almost always send Melissa first drafts because she if she likes the concept and everything there you know I can always work on small things later but we need to know <laughs> is she going to like it or not so
1: well hold hold on hold on. Hold your, hold your snoots, dear. Um, do you ever send something to Melissa that she doesn't like? Does that happen?
0: Yes. I mean, not that she doesn't like it, but um, I have sent her things where she said, I think the market is too tight for this, or I don't think there's a place for this right now, or things like that, and we won't send it out. Because... Give,
1: give, give us an example.
0: Um, One that I really loved was um a a child getting a new sibling and um it was I thought a very sweet book and when I sent it to Melissa she said this is so sweet this is so lovely but new sibling books it's a really tight market it's a really crowded market and um so let's not send it out right now now whether we ever come back to that book (laughs) at some other point I don't know but, um, yeah, there there have definitely been books that, um, of course, she's never like, no, nah, I hate this. <laughs> but um, she's, you know, always says, you know, uh, you know, I like this. But if it's if it's something that she doesn't think will sell and um, and that's good because you want an agent who will tell you, <laughs> you know, that's that's part of her job to say, the you know I think there's I think I can sell this I think there's a place for this we can we can get a deal for this book or maybe not right now so um yeah so she so when I sent her book she said I love this I think it's hilarious but um let me just send it to a couple of people to 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 see and actually I didn't This is over email and I didn't know she meant send it to a couple of editors, I thought she meant send it to a couple of other agents or friends or whatever to see what they thought. And a few days later, she said, uh, we have four offers for boot and I didn't know we were on submission (laughs) so.
1: (laughs) It's a good thing she didn't uh, say uh, you know go into the uh, Barnes and Noble your book is selling.
0: Um, that's the only time that happened and of course she thought I knew right like it was just a, a misunderstanding on my part um, but yeah so we we went to auction for this book and then accepted the deal with Collins. and um, yeah it, it was a very different very different book for me but um, but I've enjoyed it and it's the type of it's a type of book that I do really enjoy so um, I'm glad to have one of my own
1: And it's it's very interactive, yeah. Which is also a good thing.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think it's great when kids can do that, can interact with the book.
1: And also, as as a um, person of belief and wanting to make the world a uh, better place, um, it's also good to have books that are. I don't know. I would say this. I mean, uh, I would when this comes out in Hebrew, I would look. I will look for young kids here to, uh, to boop with.
0: Yes. Well, certainly I would love that. I, as you know, my how to spot a best friend was published in Hebrew and I, I, um, and
1: I, I spotted it.
0: Oh, that's great. <laughs> that's great. That's wonderful. I did finally get a copy of it mailed it to me. So I was really happy to be able to see that. And, um, yeah, I, I don't know if Boop would translate to other languages, but I would be more than happy to see it.
1: I I would think that Boop translates to other languages better than any other book or Boop out there. Well, that would
0: truly be wonderful.
1: It's a very friendly, friendly book. And I I must admit, I was kind of surprised at the beginning because your books, uh, they're not, they're message driven without being message driven. Mm-hmm. You know, I will be fierce. It sends such a very strong message yes. of, of self-empowerment and overcoming shyness and being afraid and 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 it, it does it with such charm. Mm-hmm. Right. And and we talked about how to spot a best friend is for me a, a religious book. Mm-hmm. Um I um you told me you were Episcopalian. I don't know exactly what that is, but um our Jesus, mm-hmm. who was a Jewish rabbi, yeah. um, and whose teachings were about loving your fellow man and 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 being kind and 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 aspiring to be the kind of best friend that you write about.
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: You know, not a, not a friend who gives you a crayon, but a friend who gives you a green crayon, even though that friend knows that you're gonna color
0: now
1: 6,237 trees. Mm-hmm.
0: See, that's how I know you're you're a true a true fan of picture books, Mel, because you remember little details from from my books. <laughs> I'm sure
1: I'm sure I, I'm sure I got the number of the trees wrong though.
0: But it is a green crayon.
1: <laughs> and and how would how would I forget that?
0: Yes. Yeah. So, yeah.
1: so so let's talk a little bit um about two things. The first thing is, you know, I, I've been interviewing a lot of Um, non-fiction authors Mm -hmm. and Melissa Stewart was on and and we talked about um, the importance of non-fiction I told her that I think that there's no such thing as pure non-fiction or pure fiction it's always somewhere on a on a spectrum but uh, if you must correct me if I'm wrong B but you are a person who wrote non-fiction for years and yes. now you're 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 conquering the world, booping and snooting, and um and and writing real real fiction for kids that has has a lot of truth in it. So I'm going to shut up now. I want you to talk.
0: <laughs> yes, I did. I I wrote uh, freelance for the education market for about ten years, and um yeah it was um and I did write a lot of nonfiction, and I think can, you're can right. Can you give
1: Can you give us a, a few examples?
0: Um, I wrote mainly um in in um, English literature and history, um social studies. Um I'm not really qualified to write science uh, <laughs> curriculum. <laughs> I might have edited <laughs> some for science just for the grammar and stuff, but I, I'm not the one creating it. Um yeah, and and I think that that, of course, there can be. Uh, pure nonfiction, in the sense of the kinds of textbooks that you and I probably had when we were in school, that they're um, a lot of times just statement of of facts, right? Um, but the best way to present nonfiction is is with a story, with a, with a narrative going through it. So that's oh, what I, I tried to do.
1: Yeah, but you you know that the Jews, uh, they have this comment called Oy vey, oh no. Uh, w- when you tell a scientist, right, to tell a story, mm-hmm. usually they bridle. They say, oh no, 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 we just want to tell the facts. But actually, scientists are always telling stories. And the scientific paper is a story about my research. Mm-hmm. And right. and here, and now you're on air mm-hmm. in front of the whole world saying that the best way to talk about facts is by telling a story. Why why, why is why is that?
0: I think we we as as people in general, are are wired for, right? There's a, a wonderful book by uh, Lisa Crone called Wired for Story. and it it is true that we are are wired for story. That's how we that's how we understand the world. And um you're much more likely to remember something you learned in a classroom or from a book or um, in any setting if you can connect it to something in your own life and the way you make those connections is by hearing it in a story form. So um, there are so many, so many wonderful nonfiction picture books out that do this um, really, really well. And um, I, I haven't written one myself yet. Um, you know, I'm not saying I never will, but I haven't done it yet myself because, there are so many masters doing it so well. and um, and it seems like they all understand that that you know, um, certainly a, a biography, a picture book biography is told in the form of a story. But seems like every other topic is has also, you know, there's a way to tell it um, so that so that children have something to grasp onto and say, oh yeah, that's that's like me, you know, the researcher, the scientist in the lab tried again and again and again with experiments and kept failing until until they discovered the truth of what they were trying to discover. And you know, the kid learning to tie their shoes or to ride a bike is can can make that little bit of a connection. Oh yeah, I tried again and again and again until I got it right too. Um and you know you just need that little bit of connection for it to make sense.
1: B, I think that you're telling me your next book dear <laughs> we're we're, at, we're on a roll here.
0: <laughs> well, listen, I watched one of your other interviews and you were talking about a book about a left-handed character and I'm left-handed. So, you know, I think we need to get together and write that book. Who, you and me? Yeah.
1: <laughs> Tomo- tomorrow.
0: <laughs> I actually have a, a picture book somewhere with a left-handed character that I wrote very early on and I've I'm not even sure where, which computer it's on, but um, yeah, it's it's actually amazing when you when you start talking speaking to creative people, you'll find a much higher percentage of of left-handed people in the group than you would in a in the general population. One of the first panels I ever did um, in 2019 at NCTE, we had I think six people on our panel, and five of us were left-handed, so. <laughs> Like this
1: is odd. <laughs> I did. I should ask everybody if they're left-handed. Yeah. I did. I, I didn't. I I didn't think about that. Yeah. No. You and I should definitely uh have a little chat about uh left-handedness. And of course, I've I've also tried. Um, and it's not easy. You know, we we talk about own voices. You know, you should write about things that you are. Sure. But if I think it's harder to write about things that you are. Um, because it doesn't let you have that merry little dance, <laughs> you know. And like, and 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 um, every time I try to write about a, um, a left-handed character, it's it's not. It's a it's a character who you know does everything differently or whatever, but uh, is not necessarily left-handed. Um, yeah. But, yeah. You and I will have a chat about that. Okay. Um, Maybe we should offer a prize, you know, for the left-handed book of the year. Anyway, <laughs> um, that, that's incredible. And, and, and so do you think, so, so why do you write fiction? Give me the real
0: reason. Mm-hmm. I, think, um, I think with fiction, it gives you, well, I mean, partly it's because I've written nonfiction for so long and I wanted to do something different
1: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high speed Wi Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at lq.com. Yeah, um, so I
0: mean, like, like you're now a yes.
1: famous, uh, famous author. <laughs> uh, and I, I I want to stress that, we've talked about that. Um, one in a thousand one in 5000 the uh, uh, authors gets a publishing deal and not to mention that the um the uh your first a uh, um manuscript uh, was uh, acquired by the first agent that saw it from a slush pile yeah. and i and i had to check with melissa that was true because it goes against everything i believe in <laughs> And it actually happened. And now you have like uh, four successful books and more on the way. And, and this one was acquired at an auction. And so, you know, that's wonderful. Um, but, you know, so you have a mandate to essentially write whatever you want. I mean, I can't think that Melissa Edwards now saying, um, oh, B, um, you know, we need a um, how about a book about the great uh, North Alaskan green hornets? Right. I mean, nobody's nobody's yeah. telling you what to write about or are they? No,
0: no, no, no. Well, I will say that one of my books um, that's I can't even talk about because it, it hasn't been announced yet, but it was actually Melissa's idea that it came from an idea that Melissa gave me. So um, when that gets announced, we can come back and talk about that one. But um,
1: I would love to. I would talk to you every week.
0: I think most I mean, there are, of course, IP, intellectual property projects that that um, a lot of writers do, you know, the Star Wars novels and and things like that, where where the idea came from somewhere else. And then the author is asked to to take it and run with it right and write their own version of that and and all of that. Um, So certainly there are there are projects where the idea came from an editor or or a publisher um, or someone someone else. Um, but I think, um, even if I were writing nonfiction, I think uh, most nonfiction authors are writing what they are passionate about. You know, they look up at the stars at night and they think, "I'm, you know, this is what I'm passionate about. I've always looked at the stars. I've always, you know, looked through a telescope. I know a lot about it. Let me share that knowledge with kids. And, um, and I guess for me, what I know the most about are our um, emotions and um, and how to deal with them and and how to navigate the world. Um, now that I'm a little bit older, maybe I didn't know when I was a kid, and and so I want to help I want to help kids do that. And the best way to empower kids, for me, is through fiction. Um, so that's, I guess, the other reason why I, why I'm writing, why I'm choosing to write fiction right now instead of nonfiction is, um, is for me, that's the best way to, to give the message, as you said, hopefully not a in your face message, but, um, to give the message that, that I want to send to kids, that they are, they are special. They have a place in the world. They belong here and they are, um, you know, they just. All they have to do is is go out and claim it and and find what they are passionate about, and um, and and work towards what they want.
1: Okay, are you ready for my theory? Yes. Okay. The reason that beebird song writes fiction is because it's fun.
0: <laughs> that is the other reason. <laughs> It is fun. It is fun. You can do whatever you want.
1: <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm i looking at Boop and I'm saying this is a perfect example of an author who doesn't have to a, um prove anything to anybody saying, I'm going to write a pure fun book. And it's not like Boop doesn't have messages all over it. And, you know, kids are going to read into this various things and i think that that's wonderful that's what the picture books are for enabling the reader response but basically this is a book of fun yeah this this isn't the book about being a best friend or overcoming fear and anxiety Mm -hmm. and shyness um it's just a book of fun Mm -hmm. and yeah
0: and and that's important right kids kids need joy Um, all kids need joy and and a lot of kids maybe don't have joy on a daily basis you know in their lives and if if getting this book out of the library or seeing it at school or or however they come across it can bring them a, a few minutes of happiness and joy um then then whatever I did to get it published was worth it because that's um that's what I want
1: Okay, and we're, and, we're, and where is this joy? So, I'm not finished yet, because okay. um, joy is also connected with love.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's obvious that you love what you're doing. Yes. Um, Stephen Fraser once gave a talk about the joy, the rapture of writing, uh, of writing children's books. Mm-hmm. When is your rapture? When is your joy?
0: I have two, two moments of of pure joy. In the journey of a book there are a lot of hard moments right there i mean you send it to your to melissa and yeah. you hold your breath right right yeah. and then yeah. no, she no, sends i it out. i
1: i i looked i looked at steve's uh, um, video and he's been on the program mm-hmm. and um i said what, what
0: is this what
1: is this <laughs> the joy it's like it's like um it's like it's like the word passion but then you know when you look up the definition of passion. Right. And again, this is like a Christian thing, so I'm not a Christian, but um, the passion is also pain.
0: Yes. OK. Yes. I, I but for me, there there are there are all the hard parts. And I'm, and it's hard for me, just like just like other authors. Believe me, it's hard for me. And um, but there are two moments of, of joy. The first is when I actually write the book, I. I I love that part so much. The finding the perfect word, having the rhythm of the text flow together, creating something out of nothing, out of just my imagination, is an amazing thing. And um, so that's the that's the first part. And I get that part wh- whether it becomes a book or not, right? So that's good. Um, but the second part, if it does become a book, the second part, the second moment of joy for me is the is when I share it with kids, when it's an actual book in my hands. And I go to a library or a school or a bookstore and um, a festival, and I get to share it with kids and and read it with them. And they tell me what they think about it. You know, I'm I watch their faces as I'm reading. Um, And then they share their thoughts about about what I just read. And, um, and that's, that's really a gift. That's an, that's an amazing gift to, to hear what your readers think straight from them. And, um, when I did a book festival in March, the Lexington book festival, and, um, I got to read book wasn't out yet, but of course my other three were, and I got to read them all three. As I sat there with the kids, I read all three books. And that was amazing, because usually when you go to an event, you're reading your latest book. And that's, you know, that's all you get to do. You're reading just the one that just came out. But they gave me space and time to read all three of the books that were out. And then I got to hear each of the kids tell me which was their favorite. And they all had, I didn't even ask, I didn't say which one was your favorite. They started volunteering. I liked the one about the friends. I liked the one about, you know, and... Um, each of them had reasons why a different one was their favorite. And that's that was that was joyful for me too, because um, I'm you know you' each of each book and all of the writers who are watching this right now, all of your manuscripts have a reader somewhere. It's your job to keep pushing forward and pushing forward and pushing forward to get that book into their hands but there's a kid there waiting for it and um and and it might not be for the kid next to them but there are readers waiting for that book and that i mean as authors that's how can we not love that right We're
1: <laughs> i will tell you uh, how we first of all i I, I will share um, I think that my book came out after we had our first interview. And just yeah. yesterday on Zoom, I, I read it to 30 kids and, and, and two other books that I love. Uh, the uh, Paperback Princess, Robert Munch, and Don't Let the Pigeon Drive the Bus. And, um, and a girl, a five-year-old, she says to me, um, this, this blew me away. She said, is your book for, for kids or for adults? And I'm like, another oi weyman, you know, you've you've stripped it bare, haven't you, kid? <laughs> that was really, a, so what I did, because I really didn't know, and I still don't know the answer, of course, uh, is I said, what do you think? Mm-hmm. Because I think it was written for kids, and I say, yeah, I'm glad you say that, but it was actually written for grown-ups too. Um, and so who, who do you write your books for?
0: I absolutely write my books for the children and it can be a tricky thing to navigate because before your book can reach children, it has to make it through a whole lineup of grownups and grownups are not necessarily (laughs) looking for the same thing in a book that the kid is. So it does have to be. A picture book has to be for kids and grownups because first I have to make it past Melissa and then we have to make it past not only an editor but unless the editor is the head of the imprint, we have to make it past their whole acquisitions team. So that's a whole bunch of grownups right there. And then we have to make it in that. And
1: not necessarily childish grownups either.
0: No, no, they're, they are they are fully fully adult, unlike, <laughs> unlike you and me, Mal, right? They are fully adult. And, um, you know, you have to, and and they have very good reasons why they choose different books, right? Um, and I don't necessarily know those reasons. So I'm just writing the book I want to write. But you have to make it past them. And then you have to make it into the bookstores, which means making it past a bookseller, you know, the the person who, who chooses the books that go on the shelves or a librarian who chooses which books to order for the library. And then you have to make it through uh, either a teacher or a librarian or a parent or a grandparent or an aunt and uncle or someone in that child's life who will purchase it because four and five-year-olds don't have the money to go out and, or the means to go out and choose their own books. And um you have to make it past. I mean, that's just a huge lineup of grown-ups that have to approve your book before it can be put into the hands of a child. And so it is true, and Melissa and I talk about this a lot, that this might be a perfect manuscript. And you hear writers say this when you go to a conference or whatever. This is my kids loved it, you know, or my students loved it if they're a teacher, and but first before it can get there it has to make it through the grown-ups so it has to have something that will make all of those adults say okay yes i think i agree that this is a good book for a child and that children will like it and that you know it, it will be an important addition to the canon of children's literature and so we don't want to have to consider adults in writing, and I don't. When I first write it, I don't really. Um, but in the end, hold on, hold on,
1: Bisa, I like it. Like we're, this is the segue towards my question. Okay. You were a kindergarten teacher, if I remember correctly. Yes. So you have you have a one up on everybody who wasn't a kindergarten teacher. Mm-hmm. By the way, I was a little bit of a kindergarten teacher. Um, I assisted my my late mother, um, but perhaps not enough like to have the expertise that you do um but who is that person that you write to mm-hmm. when you have the idea for boop or for sam's first word or how to spot a best friend or i will be fierce i have a theory so you know you can say whatever yeah. you want but i'm a scientist um, i'm going I'm to decide
0: yeah <laughs> i i think initially There are probably a lot of kids in my head, right? There's my son when he was that age, he's 25 now. So, but you know, when he was that age and um, there are all, I have seven nieces and nephews and you know, so that's a lot of of kids right there. And my cousins have kids, you know so I have a lot of kids or I have had (laughs) in the case of of some of them who've grown up now a lot of kids in my life. Um, And of course, student, you know, former students but I, and, and I do have them in my mind sometimes, different ones, but I think what it comes down to is I'm writing for me, right? I'm writing for the kid that I was, I'm writing, yeah, I'm writing for, for three or four or five or six year old me and what book did I I need? Yeah.
1: And when we talked about this, you know, I will be fierce. That was the, that was the book you needed when you were five. Yes. And how to spot a how to spot a best friend? Yes, you needed that book too.
0: Yeah, I I yeah I think I think you because I have had friends in my life who were not true true as true to the friendship as I was, and so absolutely you you I think uh, for me and I'm not saying for any other <laughs> author because everyone writes for different reasons, but for me in the end, I'm writing for for the child I was.
1: And then, um, so it's interesting because then you have to be very lucky with the reader response to find the child and the other, you know, dozen disciples that have to uh, select your book before it gets into the hands of the child that you really want to read it.
0: Yes. Well, I think the best piece of advice for that, and And I'm not saying this lightly as if it's an easy thing to do. But the best piece of advice is you want to write about a universal emotion, a universal experience even, like the first day of school, but in a very specific way, in a way that's only you can tell that story, in a way that's specific to your voice, your experience, the words you needed to hear as a kid, whatever it is that's specific to you but the underlying thing has to be universal. So um, whatever that is, you know, there are a lot of books about grief and losing a grandparent. And there are books about, um, of course, the first day of school or trying to learn to do something or thinking that you're different as a kid, right? That's a, a common theme or being afraid to speak up or those are all universal, experiences in that most people will have had a moment of that in their lives where they were trying to accomplish something and couldn't do it or where they had a first day whether it was at school or a new job or um you know moving to a new home or whatever they've they've had that experience of being new to a situation
1: but i'm still i'm still gonna think b that there's a second step and this this goes back to our discussion about left-handedness there has to be a distillation process,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, because I was miserable as a left-handed kid. I, I like I suffered, but I, 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 the reason I haven't, maybe now you and I will find them. But um, the reason up until now is because I haven't been able to distill this, distill this oh. into a story. Yes. That's not a story of pain.
0: Well, and I think I think that's like you said it's more difficult to write from your from what you know from your own experience i think that's why because no you you yeah, have to
1: you have to write from what you know
0: you have to write from what you know but of course what you know is your own pain your own struggle and so yeah absolutely you um you know you sit you sit at the computer or or with, with the notebook and you try to put all of that into words and not just your own words, like if it was a journal or a diary, but words that other people will connect to, that other kids will connect to, that other grownups will connect to. And yeah, that is, it is an incredibly difficult thing that that we do. And sometimes that idea can get lost, especially with picture books. Most people don't say writing a novel is is easy. Um, because they're looking at all those pages. You had to fill all those pages. But a lot of people, a lot of first time writers, when you go to conferences and different things, think that writing a picture book is easy. It's 200 words, 300 words, 400 words up. No problem. It must be easy because it's short, right? But, you know, I think it was um, Mark Twain that said, if I had more time, I would have written a shorter letter. It, it's, incredibly difficult to tell a whole story with all of that pain and struggle and anything else you want to put into it in there in an engaging way by the way (laughs) in under 500 words it's that is a difficult thing to do and um, I think we you and I and and probably everyone watching this are are blessed uh, that we get to do that.
1: So um, I'm going to go back to something that you shared last time, and Karen. that is that you had experience writing things in 500 characters. Yes. <laughs> and and that's that's wild, because when I was starting out in my serious journey to be an author, mm-hmm. uh, Karen, my early on mentor, she said to me, I want you to take this story and write it in 18 words. Mm which is impossible, but I I did, sort of. And then she looked at me and she says, oh, I didn't really mean 18. You know, it could be 23 or 26. But this is definitely, you know, your ability to write these one-sentence pitches, these PB pitches, these um, uh, PB pitches tomorrow. I don't think anybody really looks at them. But it's good for the author to practice trying to... And and if, if you can't write your story in a sentence or two, there might be something wrong with your story.
0: Yes. I mean, what is the story about? And you need to be able to, to tell us. If, if you say, well, it starts with this and then this happens mm-hmm. and whatever, you're telling us the plot. But you're not really telling us what is it about? What's the heart of your story? And that's what your one sentence pitch should be. What's the heart?
1: Wow. That is so powerful. <laughs> B, I'm going to go back now and re- rewrite all my pitches. <laughs> not what is your story about what is the heart of your story yeah you are incredible this is the best place Mm -hmm. to uh say the following be birdsong you are incredible um i um i'm gonna cry when we say goodbye today but hopefully uh um this war will be over soon and uh We'll be able to reconnect and write our uh, left-handed uh, story together, or talk about shining light on people. Um, I, before we leave, one sentence on your book that's been announced that not out yet on the uh, on the family tree, which is intriguing. Intriguing, oh, yeah.
0: right, <laughs>
1: intriguing. Oh, right, sorry.
0: That's all right. Um, my. Next fall, fall of 2024, I, my next book will be released. It's called How to Grow a Family Tree. And it's about a girl who lives with just her mother. And she discovers that chosen family can be just as important as your biological family.
1: That's the heart of the story.
0: That's the heart of the story.
1: Bee bird song, you're incredible. Uh, now, so are you. Thank you. Keep shedding light and joy and, and wonder and uh, sharing your incredible stories with children all over here in Israel, too, in Hebrew. Yes. So, um, thanks.
0: Thank we you so much. We have to say
1: goodbye. Goodbye. And we've been with B Birdsong, celebrating her new book out just this summer, Boop, an interactive mm-hmm. book of fun and joy. And I am Mel Rosenberg, the host of the Children's Book Network for the new... No. See, I, I what am I? I am <laughs> don't laugh, don't laugh. I'll get it right. My name, I know. I am the host of the children's literature channel of the New Books Network. See, that's what a work can do to you. this has been wonderful. You've taken my mind off of the hatred and evil and darkness, and we've spent 45 minutes talking about light and joy and sharing love and friendship. Thank Bless you, you so dear.
0: Thank you.